Welcome to Jags Drive Time with Ashlyn Sullivan, John Osher, and Brian Sexton. Jags Drive Time starts right now. You guys already know who you're going to be picking, or is that still a work in progress? That's still a work in progress. <laughs> How is it still a work in progress? I mean, last year it was a slam dunk. Is it not a slam dunk this year? It's still a work in progress. Absolutely no surprises here. Trent Balky will not be telling anyone who the Jaguars are drafting number one overall. Breaking news this morning as we start drive time. The Jaguars have franchise tag offensive tackle Cam Robinson. Three years, $54 million. This is just a report by Ian Rappaport. This has not been confirmed by the Jaguars as of now, but we kind of knew this was coming, so interesting that it happens during draft week. Welcome in Jaguars Drive Time. We are live here on a Tuesday morning, and we are here in Daly's Place getting ready for the draft party tomorrow. Big day. Draft starts tomorrow, and uh, big news this morning with Cam Robinson. It, it's not much of a surprise. We knew this was coming. But to have this solidified, it's nice that it's over with. Well, it's solidified. It's a three-year deal, and I think everybody's going to talk about, uh, does this take offensive tackle off the table, right. et cetera? I don't think that's the case at all. Uh, I think it's, it solidifies a player that uh, the Jaguars believe. You've been hearing this ever since the end of the, of, uh, the 2021 season. They believe he is an ascending player. They believe he is a player who has his best years ahead of him. Uh, this locks down the left tackle position, certainly for this year. If they draft a left tackle or if they draft a tackle, I assume they could put that player somewhere else. Uh, it, it solidifies a spot that they wanted to get done. It's not surprising, though I think some people will react to it mm -hmm. in such a way that it will affect tomorrow night. I don't think it affects tomorrow night whatsoever. Yeah, they were planning on this happening. It's a lot of money, but that's what left tackles make. You see right. that, that money sign, you're like, wow, that, that's a lot. But it's it, I think it's in line. It, yeah. It's not a top-of-the-market uh, deal where, you know, he's resetting the market. It's a three-year deal, which means it's relatively short. He's, he's got five years in. If he plays this year out, mm -hmm. uh, then he is in his eighth year. Uh, he'd be a ninth-year guy for a third contract. Uh, that's not out of the possibility at all for a left tackle. So it's not necessarily a, a tremendously long-term deal. Within the range of deals, it's actually a, a relatively short-term deal. It gives him a chance to make a lot of money on this yep. deal. And as a left tackle, those guys play a long time. Cam Robinson could walk away from this game very, very wealthy. Yes, makes things even more interesting for tomorrow night, the first round of the NFL draft, as we get into big things. And big thing one is offense or defense. Who are the Jaguars going to take? Right now there are four options, so we think Evan Neal, Aquanu, Hutchinson, and Walker. So you have to decide, are you going to take a staple on defense that helps your defense right away? Or now with Cam Robinson being signed, are you thinking more long-term offensive line? Well, one guy that has absolutely shot up the rankings is Trayvon Walker, almost the favorite as of right now for the number one overall pick. So how will he work in the system if he is the guy? Every scheme's a little bit different. Coaches use him a, a little bit differently. Uh, so where does that guy fit in our scheme versus where he might fit in, in another scheme? So that's talked about a lot, and, I, and you really leave that up to the coach. If you have a vision as a personnel guy, uh, where you think a guy could play or should play, and then you just, you know, you give them to the coaches and you, you hear them out, and, and that's how you just kind of put the pieces together that way. 
Big thing, too, is what about wide receiver? It is no question the Jaguars need more speed on this roster, and everyone thinks they're going to take a wide receiver at some point. A lot of eyes are on that 33rd overall pick, the first pick of the second round to possibly get that done. But the consensus is that all the top receivers might be gone by then. So do you draft up or trade up to get that guy at wide receiver? And Coach Peterson gives his thoughts about the draft class overall. It's a good group, um, maybe not as deep as it's been, I think, in years past. You know, the top of the, the, top of the list is, is, is pretty good. You know, there are some guys that are obviously been nicked up, you know, coming out of the college season and whatnot. But, um, you know, again, it just goes back to just us evaluating, you know, them as a, as a, as a player, their talent. And not so much, you know, how can they fit us, but, but where are they uh, from a talent standpoint? You know, and, and uh, once you get, you know, down the, down the road a little bit, there, there's a little bit of a, of a drop off, but, but there's still guys that can come in and compete and compete for roster spots, play special teams. You, you look at that value as well, you know, from a, from a coaching perspective and, and, you know, how much special teams have they played, you know, during college. So, you know, um, that's kind of been the, with the, with the receiver group, we, we look at it the same kind of, you know, uh, every year. And, um, you know, there are some guys there that can, that can make a difference. And finally, Big Thing 3 is the first day. It was the first day of voluntary voluntary veteran minicamp. There's so many phases these days. It was the first day yesterday where the Jaguars could be on the practice field with their new coaching staff, and we caught up with wide receiver Marvin Jones, who's getting to know his new head coach a little better. Definitely a player's coach, you know. Um, he's, he's been through it, you know, and, he, and he's been in our seats. Um, so, you know, you always you always got to give him that max respect because, you know, he um, has played just like just like we mm -hmm. uh, we have. So, um, you know, he knows what he's doing, um, you know, great energy um, and that resonates throughout uh, the whole coaching staff. So um, it's uh, it's perfect. And there you have it. Those are big things. A lot going on this week. We are hearing so much. If you log on Twitter, you hear who the Jaguars are taking, and it changes every 10 minutes. So we all have our opinions on who the Jaguars should take. We're hearing everything about who we think the Jaguars will take. Now with Cam Robinson having that tag, it really doesn't change much about the offensive line. If you think you're taking offensive line, you think it's because it's a long-term mm -hmm. solution. Defense, short-term at this point. Well, uh, yeah, I mean – I think they, the theory there is if you're taking Hutchinson or if you're taking Walker, it can put somebody opposite Josh Allen. It can make your defense much better very quickly. If you're taking offensive line, you're solidifying it overall. You're not exactly sure where now with Cam Robinson being on the tag, I mean, not being on the tag, and being around for minimum two years on a three-year deal, yeah. but most likely three because most guys who sign three-year deals will play that whole, de whole deal out. Overall, though, you go back to that theory that left tackle and right tackle now, 10 years ago, you, you would have never taken an offensive lineman at number one if he wasn't going to fit right in and play left tackle. Now, most people, and I believe I've heard Doug say this, right tackle, left tackle, not a huge difference mm -hmm. in terms of the value, in terms of the role, because defenses move their best pass rusher all along their defensive front. So could you take Aquanu, put him out at right tackle? I doubt that would happen the first year. I think if, if he was the pick, he would be more of a Quentin Nelson type mm -hmm. who is a guard who comes in and solidifies you in the middle. Doug Peterson, remember, when he was in Philadelphia, I think we're going to talk about this later as well, had a great offensive line with two really, really good tackles on the outside. They don't mind being good at all spots. 
it's a little bit of a different approach than a lot of teams would take these days. A lot of people think you don't have to have a great, uh, highly drafted offensive line. Yeah. But Doug Peterson believes in the opposite. He believes that you need to be good on the offensive front with elite talent on the offensive front. So, uh, <laughs> Shlin, at this point, nothing surprised me out of the number one picks. Yeah. Uh, if, if it's out of that group, and, and uh, we'll go over them. Evan Neal of Alabama, Aiden Hutchinson of Michigan, Icky Aquino of North Carolina State, and uh, the fourth is uh, Trayvon Walker of Georgia. Those are the guys people are talking about. Yeah. Bear in mind, Trent Baalke or Doug Peterson have not said those are the four. So is there a wild card? I don't know. I think it comes out of those four. Uh, and I have less of an idea what to believe about the number one pick than I've had in probably 10 years following this thing. I know. It's interesting. Everyone's asking, how's the week going? How's the prep going? And it's funny because we relate so much to last year where we knew who the number one overall pick was going to be for six months. So you have everything planned out. Everything's ready to go. Now you have four different options. And it very well could not even be those four <laughs> options. Think about this. Last year may have been on the Rushmore of slam dunk picks. Yeah. Of the last uh, 30 years I've been following the draft, maybe since 83 or 84 when I was a kid. I don't know that there's ever been a year where it was as sure. Andrew Luck was sure, mm -hmm. uh, you know, way back. But everybody knew Trevor Lawrence probably for two years was going to be the number one pick. And the Jaguars had that pick, so they easy. Now all of a sudden you fast forward, and they may have one of the hardest uh, selections of the last uh, 20 years. So welcome to the NFL. Yeah, and I think it, it's hard because you look at all four of these guys, and they all are fantastic players, but there's not that home run really sexy pick mm -hmm. that we always talk about. And it, it just I keep going back to the defense, and I see the argument for Walker or Hutchinson, but the state that the Jaguars are in right now, winning three games last year, and Balky saying, you know, I'm not going to be around for num another number one overall mm -hmm. pick. It just, to me, seems like you got to go with the safe, and I hate saying that, the safe. Maybe we could say solid choice yeah. instead with Hutchinson. Well, and I locked into that early on. I talked about Hutchinson being the safe pick. That's probably what I would do because I've been talking about it so often, and I agree with you. I'm, I'm the safe pick guy. At the same time, the reality is if there was a truly safe pick, Everybody would take it, and there would be no disagreement. There's no such thing as a really safe pick in yeah. the draft. Is, is he the safest? I, I think so. Does he have the best technique in terms of pass rush? Do you sort of know I'm going to get at least uh, uh, seven or eight sacks out of this guy a year? Yeah, you feel that with this yeah. guy. But if there was a truly safe pick, we wouldn't be having the discussion. Every one of these four, and even uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, who's the other guy who you would think may be Could in some, in some yeah. sort of conversation, they all have risk. So I got an ozone question a couple of days ago about oh, wouldn't uh, Walker and Aquanu be reaches? I don't know what reach means. I think <laughs> if reach is risk, which I assume it is, yeah. then every one of these guys is a reach to a degree because there's no guarantees with this spot. There's never a guarantee. Yeah. It feels like there's less of a guarantee with these guys. But I don't think it, it is necessarily a deal where it's automatic that you're going to look back in five years and say, oh, boy, that was a bad draft. You guys have a chance to be good players. They're just not as guaranteed as, as, as you felt about guys coming in maybe the last four or five years. Yeah, it just makes Trent Baalke's job a little more difficult. Yeah. He's done his due diligence. Well, he makes the big bucks, Shlin. Yeah, the key word was due diligence. I think they said that like ten times on Friday. That'll get said a lot during the draft. Yes, it will. Hey, stay with us on Jaguars Drive Time. Much more to come. We're going to have Brian Sexton from Vegas shortly talk much more about this offensive line and Cam Robinson's new deal on the Jaguars Digital Network.
John Osier, you will not believe what Daly's Place has in store for you this year. We're here at Daly's Place right now. How fitting is this? The likes of Tim McGraw, Lumineers, Dave Matthews, Plans, Keith Urban, much, much more coming up. For a full list of shows and to get your tickets right now, visit dailiesplace.com. We're back, Jaguars Drive Time. It's a Tuesday. I'm sorry. I keep saying Tuesday because I'm used to doing the show on Tuesday. It's a Wednesday, Shalene. Today is Wednesday. No, there's no getting around the calendar. Gosh, because tomorrow is Thursday, and tomorrow Tomorrow's the draft. is the first day of the NFL draft. You can come to this awesome draft party. Tickets are still available on jaguars.com. We're going to have Doug Peterson on the stage, player panel. John, you're going to be You'll a part be there of it. as well? I will be there. Okay. And you will be there. And uh, the Bucky Brooks will be on there. Yes. So it, it's a star-studded show. Yes. Uh, even without me, it's a star-studded show. Show Schlin. <laughs> I can't even say that. I can't even say that. That's a tongue twister, to say the least. Okay, let's re-bring up the breaking news this morning, which is all about Cam Robinson and reaching that new deal. It's a three-year, $54 million deal reported by Ian Rappaport of NFL Network. The Jaguars have not confirmed that this is the case as of now, but this is absolutely no surprise. We heard last Friday at the pre-draft press conference that they were still working towards a long-term deal to Cam Robinson, and it was a work in progress. So, John, we, we talked about it in the last segment, that it's really not changing anything for the guys that want Iquanu or want Neil as the number one overall pick. When you look at this, they both have the versatility to play other positions. You would imagine Cam Robinson is still your left tackle, and it doesn't hurt to push other guys on the offensive line to solidify your starters. Well, you've reached a time in the NFL again, like we said earlier. Um, if this had been 15 years ago, then I think you sign Cam Robinson a long-term deal, and you say, hey, no way conceptually can we invest a number one draft pick in a right tackle or a guard. Um, I don't think you would invest it in a guard if you thought he was going to be there forever, mm -hmm. but you're also not taking the number one overall pick with the idea that you're solving a two-year need. So for the long-term good of the franchise, if you believe that Aquanu or Neal are the best player in this draft and they can play guard, I think you take them, you put them at guard, and you think about this offensive line, Schlen, you have either Jawan Taylor or Walker Little on the right, you have Cam Robinson on the left. You have the center who, uh, I think it's gonna be Tyler Shatley, yeah. but I think uh, the draft also uh, could have something to say about that. You have Brandon Scherf, a five-time Pro Bowler, and then if you have Aquanu at guard, yeah. well, I think it was on our Huddle Up podcast with Bucky Brooks yesterday on, on Tuesday that he said, Doug Peterson, when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, had a team where he felt like they could do whatever they want running or passing because of their offensive line. And if you visualize that Super Bowl back then, the Eagles during that game against the Patriots were able to run effectively in situations where you would normally be passing. Mm -hmm. They were able to run and have a balanced offense because of that. That leads me to believe Doug Peterson loves that. If you have an offensive line that can do that, then that becomes the core and the strength of your team. Is that the direction they're going? I don't know. But that would make sense if you believe, okay, we signed Cam Robinson and you're taking a quantum. People are like, what are they doing? That would be what they're doing. Yes. And, uh, you know, there is a school of thought where you take your strength and make it the absolute strength, and then you build your offense around that. Um, I don't know if that's what I would do. I haven't been thinking that way leading to the draft, but that makes sense based on what you're hearing that it, if it was a done deal defensive end i think we'd have heard it was a done deal defensive end right. by now i think it's still an option so if a is the guy and i feel like it would be a over neil at this point just Agreed. based on the reports 
Uh, that would be the thought, and I don't think it's a horrible thought. No, it isn't. And when you think of Doug Peterson, and you know he's an offensive line guy, you know he's an offensive guy, mm-hmm. if you say that for the matter of fact. And I keep going back to there's no, we keep saying it, there's no home run of this draft. And everyone says, well, yeah, but the Jaguars won three games last year, and they need help right now. Mm-hmm. I hear that. I hear that side of it, and I hear the defensive end argument for that. But Trevor Lawrence, you have to pay him at some point. This is your franchise guy, mm-hmm. and if it means it's not an immediate impact to draft one of these offensive tackles, but it pays off in three years, yeah, then it's worth it. Yeah, but it I get the need to fix it right now, right here and now. It's fine to say fix it here and now, uh, and it's fine for fans to talk about that, and it's fine for that to be discussed in the draft room. But once you get on the clock for that number one pick, if you're Trent Baalke, if you're Doug Peterson, if you're Shad Khan, and, and everybody's putting their heads together, at some point during that conversation, there has to be a backup moment where they say, okay, what are we doing here? Yeah. What is the big picture? Uh, what are we trying to get out of this pick? What is the mission statement for the pick? The mission statement is get the best guy who you feel like is going to be a franchise guy, who is going to be a player that you can build around. You know, There's not a lot of players on this team right now where you think, okay, that guy might be the best at his position in the league in two or three years. There's uh, Trevor Lawrence would fit that. You, yep. c- you could foresee him being that. Josh Allen has that kind of ability on defense. He hasn't lived up to it yet, but he has that kind of ability. It's not unreasonable to think maybe he becomes that guy. Beyond that, there's not really that. You need to make sure this number one pick has that feel to it and is a realistic guy who can be that in five or six years. Uh, It's hard in this day and age to say a guy is a 10-year player because the league changes so fast. But conceptually, goal-wise, that's what this guy needs to be. If they think it's an offensive lineman, there's a place where you can go fit. Uh, Bucky Brooks on the, on the huddle up yesterday also made a good point. You can take an offensive lineman at number one and guarantee that he has a spot somewhere easier than you can perhaps an edge rusher. For sure. Uh, you can move him around more. Now, realistically, if you draft an edge rusher, he's going to have a spot. But his point was, there are multiple ways you can use that guy. You know you're not going to have that number one pick go to waste, and you know he's going to be a productive player for you. So offensive line, the more you talk about it, the more you really examine it, still makes a lot of sense. And I was off that train for about three months, but I'm, I'm back on the train, Shalyn. Yeah, well, I remember when we were at the Combine a couple months ago, and we were talking so much about offensive line, and then they franchise tag Cam Robinson while we were at the Combine, and everyone said, oh, well, that's the end of that. Yeah. We'll, we'll just leave that conversation and truthfully Trayvon Walker because we left before those workouts he really wasn't in the conversation right. at all it was Evan Neal absolutely dominant and then Aiden Hutchinson was the guy that you talked about after Cam Robinson got traded so I always think it's funny to revisit what we always think at the combine and how it's incredibly wrong yeah it's <laughs> it's never that great to go back and listen to what you said about the draft two months ago because it's it, it changes so fast and you're really in a learning curve at the combine so uh We'll see. We will see. All right, coming up on Jaguars Drive Time, Brian Sexton is live from Las Vegas with all things draft. Stay with us on the Jaguars Digital Network. We're back, Jaguars Drive Time. Wednesday brought to you by Jet Home Loans, getting ready for this big draft party behind us as the first round of the NFL draft is tomorrow. No secret, the Jaguars have the number one overall pick, so Vegas is stirring about who the Jaguars are going to take. We bring in our co-host, Brian Sexton, now, who is live from Las Vegas, landed last night. Brian, tell me what you have seen so far. 
Good morning, guys. It's, uh, what is it, about uh, 8.30 out here. The sun is coming up, and it's bright and sunny and warm. And let's get you a look at the Bellagio Fountain and the NFL Draft stage behind me. This place is tailor-made for the NFL Draft. I mean, I know I, I said earlier this week, if you just put it in Nashville, I'd be happy. But from the moment we got off the plane yesterday, Vegas has embraced this draft. And there were players typical of Vegas, right? Aiden Hutchinson, Evan Neal, um, Trent McDuffie, the corner from Washington, who were holding courts in the middle of Las Vegas airport with people uh, crowding all around. This place has certainly grabbed a hold of this thing. And um, dare I say, it's, it's tailor-made for it. <laughs> And Brian, tell us about that number one overall pick. I know you saw Hutchinson in the airport, and we just saw the news about Cam Robinson and the new deal. Does that change anything for you? I know you're an Aquanu guy, and we knew this deal was coming, yep. but what do you think? It doesn't change anything as far as I'm concerned, Ashland. I, I heard John earlier, and I'm in agreement with him. You're looking for the player that fits your team best at number one. This year, it's either going to be an offensive lineman or an edge rusher. To my way of thinking, Ekamakwanu is Quentin Nelson. So stop thinking about where he plays on the line and start looking at his talent. The guy is legitimately a Pro Bowl caliber, even all Pro caliber talent. Now, does that guarantee he gets there? Well, no, it certainly doesn't. Where they put him, how they coach him, what they ask him to do, you're looking at number one, not for a right tackle or a left tackle. You're looking for the best player who fits your team and to my way of thinking, and my understanding is a lot of people in this league think Doug Peterson believes that Aquanu is that guy as well. It's worth noting here, I was talking to some folks last night, and nobody is sure of what's coming from Jacksonville. In fact, I had one guy say, oh, I heard about Trent Baalke's agent who thinks this. Okay, wait a sec now. If that's <laughs> the source, if that's where we're quoting, we're reaching way out there because all of you were with me last Friday when Doug and Trent smiled and said their wives don't even know what they're doing. So there's a lot of intrigue at the top of this draft because the belief is that if the Jaguars take Aquanu, then is Hutchinson automatically going to Detroit? And there's this, this school of thought that says that that's not guaranteed either. As much as he fits them, that's not a guarantee either because guys like Derek Stingley, the corner from LSU, um, Kay uh, LeVon uh, Thibodeau, the pass rusher from Oregon, guys who have been hanging around and people have been picking and poking and trying to find out where those guys fit. They're climbing right now and their talent and their traits are starting to take precedence over what may have happened last year. And so don't be surprised if the Jaguars pick doesn't set in motion some surprising picks in the top 10. Brian, is there any sense at all, and I'm assuming not, uh, is there any trade talk at all even in the top five, I'm assuming the Jaguars aren't going to be able to trade, and that's sort of been a deal where it's been off the table for months. But is, is there any talk that after the Jags, there could be a, a trade involving the Giants, the Jets, something along those lines? I think most people that I've talked to here believe that the first spot that might be up for grabs is the Jets at four. Beyond that, and that's because someone would want to come up to get the edge rusher. Thibodeau is a guy all of a sudden whose name has been connected there. And so if you want to get him, you're going to have to get in front of the Giants and the jet spot would come into motion. But in terms of one, two, three, John, you know this, we've talked about it. There are four or five offensive linemen that belong in the first round. 
there are four or five defensive linemen in the top 15, teams don't have to pay what it costs to go up into the top five to get a player that can have a similar impact. There just aren't those extreme difference makers in this draft. And so really there's not a lot of trade talk at all until you got outside the top five. Start looking at what Carolina may or may not do. Is Atlanta a team with the pick at number eight that's in play? A lot of folks that I've talked to out here believe that's maybe the first spot where you see a team that's in love with a player. And Jordan Davis, the big defensive tackle from Georgia's name, has been linked to that top ten now all of a sudden because teams want to get in front of Baltimore and come up and get him. So I, I don't see anything in the top five based on the conversations I'm having with people, but don't be surprised if six, seven, and eight aren't in play. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, especially for Atlanta and Jordan Davis. So there are three of the four that we assume the Jaguars are picking number one overall in Vegas, and Trayvon Walker is the one that is not there. He is in Atlanta watching the draft. So, Brian, you are going to get to interview the number one overall pick. You will be the representation of the Jaguars, no pressure, and I know you are an Aquanu guy. So if he is the number one overall pick, what are you asking him? Well, my first question is to see if maybe he could um, sing a little bit. You know, he sang both the bass and tenor in the high school choir, and I'm sure his heart will be singing as he thinks I'm the number one overall pick. Let's see if uh, his heart and his tongue can combine to sing a beautiful song for Jaguars fans. Hey, look, I, I think the guy is an absolute knockout of a player and a guy that if you add him to the offensive line, you've got a player who not only is really talented, but I think he's super safe. I think he's the kind of guy who can make things happen and be a long-term fixture for your football team. So, I mean, I just, the, the smile on his face will say it all. Um, you know, if it's Trevon Walker, we won't get to talk to him because he's not here. So we'd really like, I'd like it to be a Quanu selfishly because I'd like to, to let that joy come through our camera lens and through people's phones and uh, enjoy the moment with the Jaguars first pick tonight. Hey, one more thing I want to share with you. And that is that there seems to be the school of thought that there's going to be a run on cornerbacks before there is a run on wide receivers. You're going to see Stingley's name is shooting up the board. Trent McDuffie's name is all of a sudden being bandied about 12, 13. There is a limited number of impact corners, day one corners in this draft. And um, there's some people here who think they're going to go faster than the receivers. So watch that development tomorrow night. Very interesting. Well, Brian Sexton, thank you so much for joining us from Vegas. It's a little early to go to the casino, and I know you're a little busy, but we hope you win lots oh, I've already of been there. money. I'm up already. I knew it. I knew I had faith in you. Brian, thanks so much. We will talk to you tomorrow from the NFL Draft. Have a lovely day. You got it. Have a good morning, guys. See ya. Much more to come here on Jaguars Drive Time. Stay with us for some closing thoughts here at Daly's Place, getting ready for a draft party tomorrow night. The Jaguars are future-focused and ready for a new look in 2022. Join us at the bank this season as head coach Doug Peterson and quarterback Trevor Lawrence lead the charge. To lock in your seats, visit jaguars.com slash tickets or call 904-633-2000. We're back, Jaguars Drive Time Wednesday for one more segment as the draft party is getting set up. It's about done as of now. We have rehearsals this afternoon. Myself and T-Roy will be the host, and we have lots going on. Head coach Doug Peterson will be on the stage. We have a player panel talking all about 
the future of this team along with many, many more things. So if you are thinking of coming to the draft party, register on Jaguars.com. Come hang out with us. John, what do you have going on tomorrow? Well, I'll have uh, draft coverage. I'll be on there with you guys as well. And, you know, I know we're supposed to talk about coverage. Something Brian said was fascinating to me. Fascinating. If there's a run on corners. <laughs> You've uh, been thinking about this. Well, <laughs> first of all, I'd be shot because we're in an era right now where the cornerback position, the league is trying to legislate defense off the field. Yeah. So why not take receivers? But if there's that run on corners, then all of a sudden 33, which we'll be talking about on Friday during the draft, yep. all of a sudden 33, does receiver come back into play? Does a couple of those guys get pushed back down? So I know coverage is sort of the thing. That's my coverage. And I'll be writing about that. I'll be talking about that concept. But that, you know, if there's a run, if two or three corners get into the first round that you're not expecting, then maybe a couple of those receivers that you Jaguars. assume will be out of the mix could come back into play a wide receiver. So uh, food for thought, as they say. Yeah, and we talked about it really a lot a couple of weeks ago is the 33rd overall pick and possibly trading up mm -hmm. to get that receiver. From what we've discussed, it doesn't seem like they're doing that. I don't want to take that off the table, but it yeah. doesn't seem like that's a thought. And, and we always thought that was an awesome option. You have all this draft capital go up to 25, 22. Well, again, if a receiver you like gets pushed down and gets into that 25, 26 range, then all of a sudden maybe you have a little bit more ammo, a little better, sh a little better shot to do it. Uh, that would be fascinating to me. It was. We have so many fascinating things going on we this do. week. Very interesting. Well, stay with us on Jaguars.com for all of your draft coverage. We will see you here at Daly's Place tomorrow night for the NFL draft, and we will stay with you all weekend long on Jaguars.com. Thanks for tuning in to Jaguars Drive Time.